Hello, friends. Welcome to Unlock Your Potential. This is Jeff Lerner, your host. So obviously, if you've been a fan of the show, you know that we have had now a few hundred interviews with luminary figures, mostly really successful entrepreneurs, plus obviously some athletes, some celebrities, some performers, basically just elite high achievers. And we are on an, a constant quest to try to define that ineffable quality and, and operationalize it and apply it in our own lives so that we can achieve uh, whatever it is that allows a person to achieve those outlier results and that extraordinary success. And that will continue to be the quest of this podcast as long as we are doing it. But today I wanna talk about hard work and really contextualize hard work in the scope of entrepreneurship and what it really, really takes to be successful. So. Uh, let's talk about hard work. Um, hard work is a thing that I'm kind of known for. It's it's part of my brand, um, this concept of discipline. I, I really pride myself of being the, uh, the anti-guru, so to speak, the opposite of all the digital marketer, digital entrepreneur hype that you see online around you know, building funnels and, you know, conversion science and, and, and all that stuff is real, but it, it's, I think it's, it's presented, it's misrepresented in a lot of ways as some sort of a, uh, an alchemy to magically make money happen just because we have this, these digital tools. And, and that's not at all how it is. That's not how any type of entrepreneurship is. That's not how any type of business, um, whether starting, scaling, exiting, doesn't matter what phase you are, like it's all hard, right? Um, and I think that uh, in the world we live in, there's a desire for that not to be the case. And in the, in the economy that we're in, there's a set of messages out there that really pander to that desire that I think we have uh, as human beings for that to like, to, to think that there's this way to get this big payoff and have it not be hard, right? Because like life's hard enough. And if I want a better quality of life, I don't want it to be harder still. That's the whole point of wanting a better quality of life is for it to be easier, not harder, right? And so um, I, I really stand against that, that way of thinking, not because I don't like it, not because I think it's ethically wrong, not because I think it should be a certain way or not, but because I just don't think it's true. And I think it misleads people. And I think it, 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 ends, it, it produces a lot more hardship than it alleviates for people to be misinformed about what it takes to really, really be successful and ultimately to have a much easier, better quality of life. Um, so I recently, <clears throat> and this has really kind of hit me in the face lately, because I recently published some videos on Instagram. I've actually kind of broken through recently on Instagram. I've got three reels now that are upwards of a million views. Uh, my account's growing between four and 6,000 new followers a day right now, completely organically, no, no paid ad spend, no, uh, and, and I know the difference. I've, I've wasted money on growth hackers and, and people trying to game the system. Or back when I was a lot younger, right, I say a lot younger, I was a lot younger on Instagram a few years ago and I'd almost destroyed my account. Now I'm actually like doing the hard work and, and that kind of goes to the point. But anyway, I put these, in, in these videos out. And by the way, my first reel that actually broke through, just to kind of illustrate the point that I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk more about here. The first reel that really broke through and, and got the, the snowball going on my Instagram was the 219th reel that I made. So I made 218 reels because somebody said, oh, if you wanna grow on Instagram, you gotta start making reels. That's, they're favoring that in the algorithm or whatever. And, uh, and, the, and the consumers prefer that, the little short form videos. But anyways, my 219th reel was the one that actually cracked open the, the riches, the abundance of Instagram. And now my account's, you know, growing like, like uh, crazy. But, you know, 
it was hard work to do 218 reels and not get any traction and feel like I was banging my head against the wall and, and feel like I was doing the right thing. Like it's one thing when you're exploring, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not, but I was doing the right thing. I had been told this was the right thing by a very credible, intelligent person who had a lot of success on Instagram. So to be doing what you know is right and have it still not working, 200 and, you know, the first 218 bullets out of the gun all missed the target. Uh, that in of itself is is hard work and frustration and pushing through, right? But now, you know, people are like, oh, your Instagram account's taken off. Well, yeah, 219th time was the charm. Um, and even still, it's probably only one out of every 20 reels that really gets going and gets traction. But but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about quantitative. We'll, we'll talk more about quantifying hard work and getting into numbers and data here in a minute. But I just want to say uh, the reason this is so top of mind for me is because a lot of the advice I give on Instagram is, is of this same nature where, you know, one of the, one of the reels that, that took off was like, um, ad, advice if you're under 30 or something like that. It was like things I wish people had told me before I was 30. And one of the things I said is if you're under 30, double your age and live like that's your age. So like if you're 20, live like you're 40. If you're 30, live like you're 60. Now, when you're 50, don't live like you're 100, like, because I don't know what that would look like. But but if you're under 30, live like you're twice your age. Um, and I forget what the other, the other, oh, and the other was like stay, the third tip, I forget the second one, but the third tip was like stay single as long as possible. So you have people coming on Instagram and they hear this guy saying, look, if you really want to be successful or, or, or I, I wish that somebody had told me before 30, put off dating, put off getting married and live and work like you're double your age. And the, 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 there's been a divided feedback, half the feedback, you know, roughly, I don't know the exact percentages, but all the, some of the feedback is like super positive. Yeah, yeah, this is tough love. I need this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow up and, you know, act more mature than my age, right? And then the other half is like, they're like livid, man. They're like, this guy's a, you know, first of all, apparently if, if they don't like your advice, you must be running some sort of scam or something. Um, so I'm a scammer. I'm a charlatan. I'm a f fake guru, which I'm, I don't even want to be a real guru. So I don't think I can be a fake guru, but I, I do, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> they, they just got really pissed that there's some guy, some 43 year old guy on Instagram telling them to act older and, and delay gratification and not, and I didn't really unpack the whole wait to date or get married, but I'm like, stay single as long as you can because, you know, getting into a partnership, inviting somebody into your life, especially if you're on Instagram looking at entrepreneurial content, presumably you're putting yourself in kind of like the breadwinner provider category. If you're gonna build a life together, the more time you have with blinders on that you can focus and you can build yourself and you can build your foundation and you can build the, at least plant the seeds that can become your legacy over time, the, the more uh, integrity and honor you can feel in inviting a partner to step into that world and say, hey, if you'd like to come into this and let's build this together, I've already done a lot of that groundwork. And, I, you know, I'm not saying there aren't great, great stories of people marrying their high school sweethearts and stuff. But I think as a formula, to the extent that, you know, you're trying to distill wisdom into formulas, just wait, delay that. that that's going to be the most gratifying thing. Uh, like a, a wonderful relationship probably is going to be the most gratifying thing in your life, which based on the fact that delayed gratification or the ability to delay gratification and to consistently prove to yourself that you can delay gratification is the number one hallmark of successful people. This has been proven in scientific experiments. Then probably given that that's the most rewarding thing that could happen in your life is to have a really fulfilling relationship. The ability to delay that while you keep your head down and work hard 
um, is uh, probably pretty good advice, right? Whether you whether you like it or agree with it or like the way it feels or not. That's what I've, I've learned from putting this kind of content out is a lot of the reactions you get have to do with the way people feel about what you're saying, not the actual merit, substance, or, you know, like dialectical value of what you're saying. But anyway, uh, which does kind of go to the hard work thing because hard work doesn't always feel that great viewed through a short-term lens anyway. But uh, yeah, this feedback has just been like pretty, pretty vicious, some of it. And so I'm like, no, I'm going to defend my position about why I think you have to work so hard. So um, just to kind of give a little bit of context, uh, I I really made this resolution around 2015, 2016. Um, I want to say it was summer of 2015 is when my wife and I really, really committed to I was already hard work professionally, a hard worker professionally. I was already a hard worker personally. My wife and I did a lot of personal development, went to a lot of therapy, worked really hard on our relationship together, on our communication together, and just on being really good, effective, empathetic people. Um, But we weren't really taking great care of ourselves physically. And in around 2015, again, I think it was summer 2015, uh, we had a family member pass away from cancer and and kind of saw a, a human body of somebody we love deteriorate and it was really painful and it was really impactful. Um, you know, the silver lining was right. It was impactful in a positive way for us of, okay, that's what it looks like when the human body fails uh, or turns on itself. So let's at least try to forestall that as long as possible and start taking better care of ourselves. And we got really, really serious about working out. And ever since then, I've basically been what I would call a very disciplined person, uh, physically, personally, and professionally, what I call the three P's. Um, You know, get up early, go to the gym, have pretty regimented habits. I I play the piano. I'm pretty consistent about practicing the piano. I used to be a professional musician. I still play the piano. I write, I produce content. Uh, I've I've built this company. At that time, I was building a different company. Um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty methodical about being a father and a husband and I, I budget time for, you know, certain times for my kids and like, I'm whatever, um, you get the idea. So I work really hard and I, I, I've been doing that now for about six years and I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, what's, what's happened as a result of that. But uh, first I want to share sort of my broad perspective, my broad viewpoint on why I think what has happened for me in that time has happened. And, you know, again, not, not to make it all about me. I'll use myself here as a case study in, in a few minutes, but, but to just generally say to the extent that some really awesome epic stuff has happened for me in the last six years, um, I attribute most of it to this, this truth of my life, this discipline and this consistency and this, uh, what a lot of people almost consider rigidity. Um, but it's just, it's just the, the, the not, not taking days off. Right. Um, and certainly not taking weeks or months off. You know, uh, it's kind of like uh, Warren Buffett says, like the best way to the, the rule number one of, of making money or rule number one of investing is not to lose money. I think rule number one of success is not to lose time. Like don't take time off and let your work, let your progress unravel because then you're going to have to spend that much more time just getting back to where you were. Right. Um, so anyway, the reason why I think this is this has been so good for me, I think this is the best time in in, in my lifetime, probably your lifetime to, to embrace this type of a philosophy um, and the reason why I think you can make so much progress with it right now is because of this, you know, roughly 80 to 100 year cycle of, of human affairs that you, you've probably heard of. There's some talk about it uh, in the world now. It seems to be kind of a popular thing to post about. But it's basically the cycle of the correlation between uh, the times we're in and the people we are. Right. So it, it basically goes hard times make tough people, tough people work hard and create good times, good times 
produce soft people. Soft people don't work hard and thus produce hard times and the cycle starts all over again. So right, hard times, hard people, hard work, good times, soft people, soft work, you could call it, hard times, hard people, hard work, soft times, soft people, soft work, right? And that cycle goes round and round. And so I think that we are in this really unique period right now where, um, you know, call it the greatest generation. I mean, that's, you know, the, the generation that stormed the beach at Normandy. And I think to, to a large degree, their kids, um, because they were imbued with that sort of depression era slash World War II work ethic, they were, they were pretty hard people and they worked hard and, and they created the 80s and they created the 90s and they created the tech boom and they created, you know, essentially the life experience of, of millennials and subsequent generations or the subsequent generation, um, which is really what we're in now, right? We're in the good times that were created by the hard time, the hard people that were produced by the hard times of, of the basically World War I, World War II era and their, and their direct descendants. And uh, essentially, we've been pretty soft in the Western world now, or, or, or I say soft, we've had a soft environment now uh, for 30, 40 years, you could argue. It's long enough for an entire generation to have developed. And this is, I'm not getting into generational politics and attacking. I'm just saying, this is a, the macro reality of humanity, right? Is we've been, like, like very few people that were alive in World War II are still, are still even alive today, right? And so we've produced this environment, and I think we all get this, especially because technology has provided such an abundance of conveniences where like our standard of a good life is the extent to which a lot of the more challenging things that define life are getting solved for us, done for us, automated for us. And we started to connect that to quality of life, right? And that's, that's the, the, the zeitgeist of the world. And so given that that is the case, um, and don't, you know, don't take that personally. I just, I believe that is kind of the world we live in. And, and most of the really smart people I deal with tend to agree with me. Um, but given that's the case, what better time is there to be old school? In other words, if you're in a world, like, in, you know, they say in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Well, like in, in the land of the soft, the reasonably hard person, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. The, the reasonably tough person, let's say that, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to stand above to the extent that the environment is soft and the, and the competition is soft, right? And, you know, I try not to view life through the lens of comparison, but uh, in economic terms, it, it certainly is, you know, a competition, right? And that much better than what about the guy who's just really, really damn tough? What about the guy who says, I do not want to be a product of my environment. I actually recognize that the greatest work in human history, the greatest strides in human history, the greatest outcomes in human history, not just at, a, at the level of humanity and civilization, but at the, at the level of the individual, right? You know, you have occasional outliers, one in a million, one in 10 million who happen to be in the right place, right time, create the right app. I mean, the, and I'm not, I mean, these guys probably worked hard too, but like you code WhatsApp, and your company gets acquired for $50 billion 10 years later or whatever, while you are still living in an attic in Silicon Valley eating ramen or something. I, okay, those stories, whatever, you know, the vast majority of really amazing human outcomes come from ridiculously hard work, right? And so to say in these times when the world around me is softening, uh, and, you know, it's becoming an environment where when I go on and preach hard work, I'm going to get attacked on Instagram and heckled because I'm like some fuddy-duddy old guy who's telling young people to, you know, act twice their age. Uh, 
what is the competitive advantage of being like really a tough as nails badass? But then we are products of an, our environment. So if you say, all right, I'm gonna commit to being a tough as nails badass right now, in my own terms, whatever that means, it's not about like I can bench so much or I can do this or that. It's just that whatever the tough as nails badass version of me looks like, it is very unlikely that that version of me is gonna emerge from the environment that I'm in, from the times that we're all in, right? So, so for that to emerge in my life, I have to create my own little sub environment, my own little laboratory where things are hard and, and where I'm constantly under the stress that forces the adaptation and the growth that ultimately produces excellence. And, 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 and in an environment like this, where essentially humans are taking a step, a big step back as a species in terms of toughness and grit and drive, if we can take a step forward at the same time, we're actually getting the benefit of two steps, right? They step back, we step forward. Now we're two steps ahead, right? Um, and what does that do for our families? You know, if you make this investment now, what does that do? People talk about legacy. You know, legacy isn't just your, you know, your, your, your spouse or your kids now. Like, what does that do for future generations, right? You know, considering the times that usually emerge, like knowing that the cycle is gonna flip back to hard times, right? Well, if you notice in certain ways, um, and, and there's, there's, I guess, cultural forces we don't need to get into, but in some ways, hard times get harder every go round, right? And so if we're gonna go into these potentially dystopian hard times at some point in the next 50 years, 100 years, 500 years, who the hell knows, um, to some degree, who the hell cares? I just want, I feel like now I have this unique window of time and I, I know that, that this is gonna exist for the next five or 10 years. Um, and I think that the P word or the C word um, has created this, this kind of ripple through society where we're very much looking to be saved. And I think it's, ex it's accelerated and it's exacerbated the softening of society to some degree. So I'm looking at it as saying, hey, I got like five or 10 years right now where I think society is gonna stay pretty soft. It's gonna continue to soften. People are waiting to be saved. They're, they're looking for a life raft. And if I continue to lean in, double down, I'm 43 years old. I know that for the next five or 10 years, um, I'm gonna have, you know, barring illness or, or injury, I'm gonna have, the, the stamina and the energy to, to just do some of my best work in my life. I'm, I'm old enough, I'm smart enough now, I've got, I've got some seasoning, some wisdom. Like I can keep pushing myself. I can keep being my own laboratory in which to forge the best version of myself. I can keep being my own sort of like ascetic ecosystem that deprives myself of creature comforts and forces myself to get up early in the morning, work long hours, you know, build stuff that matters, build stuff that has a lot of impact and a lot of reach and drive deep roots into the ground of, of wealth and, and production and meaning and, um, you know, all, whatever, all this stuff. Like, like now is the time. I, I think that history will look back on the first part of the 21st century, the first, you know, roughly, like I said, I mean, we're 20 years in, 22 years in. So maybe the first half of it, at least the first 25 or 30 years and be like, that was it. The people that leaned in and, and bared down, bore down, bared down, bore down. I think that's bore down during those times created generational impact, not just wealth, but legacy impact, literally epigenetic modifications in their line. Like I think our kids and our grandkids will be born tougher because of the discipline that we put on ourselves right now. Um, and, and now's that time. And 10 years from now, it's gonna be too late. I, I, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong and it's not, but aren't we better off if we act as if I'm right and say, I gotta do this now? So, so anyway, that's my theory 
on why you have to make it so hard and so tough on yourself right now and not allow the, the contagion of the softness and the, the even, it's, it's not even about what, you, what, what it is, it's like what you prioritize, right? Like prioritizing creature comfort and prioritizing entertainment and prioritizing indulgence and prioritizing the automation of the challenges of life. Like, fine, if you wanna automate your laundry, good. I hope they invent a machine that'll take my clothes and suck them out of the hamper and put them into the washer and no human has to do that. But what am I gonna do in the time that, I'm, that I get back from that happening? Am I gonna use it to, you know, binge watch Netflix or am I gonna use it to build something or to, to train harder or push myself harder or learn something new or even if you have, if there's nothing else you can do that's productive in your life and you have capacity, just use the capacity to sharpen the saw, make yourself better, learn a language, learn an instrument, stretch your damn hamstrings, right? Like it, we have to be making it harder on ourselves right now or we are gonna miss the greatest opportunity certainly that I know of in, in all of the history that I've ever studied. I think that this is the greatest opportunity for the person that's willing to make their own life tough on themselves to get a massive advantage while the rest of the world is going in the other direction. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll share just, I'll kind of, I'm over 20 minutes here, so I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up here, but I, I want to share just a little bit of an example. Again, I said, I'd kind of hold up some things I've done in the last few years as an example of what this looks like. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to wrap with essentially a, it's kind of a truism, a, a belief that I have about an embedded principle in, in, in conventional wisdom, something we often talk about, but I don't think we go deep enough. I mean, if we do, it would completely change how we approach the concept. So I'm gonna, that's how I'm gonna close. But, but first, let me use myself as an example. So uh, what is it? It's 2022. Um, in late 2018, I decided, okay, based on where the world is, I, I wanna have influence. I wanna build an audience. I wanna build authority. I wanna get the credibility that comes from having a large audience. Um, because there's some things I want to do in the world that are, that's just going to be like uh, a, a halo, like that's going to cast a glow on everything I want to do. There's literally no better long-term investment I could make to get the results that I want to get in this world than to go out and have an impact in a, in a public way through these social media platforms, right? So I'll pick two examples, Instagram and YouTube. You know, I, I have seen hundreds and hundreds of people, well, hundreds, Entra, uh, we've enrolled at this point just shy of a quarter million people into our platform since... Uh, since 2018. And so I've seen tens of thousands of people that I have physically observed um, going on Instagram, going on YouTube, going on TikTok, going on Facebook, going on whatever platform and trying to build these profiles uh, or build this, this brand, build this footprint, build this audience, right? And I, you know, we essentially, I think it's a really good uh, example um, a really good microcosm in which you can see the difference between work and hard work. Um, and so I'll use myself as an example. When, when I, I told you that just recently my Instagram has really started to take off, um, it's been three and a half years. It was three and a half years of making Instagram content and messing it up and mucking with uh, trying, to get, trying to win but always losing. And um, three and a half years, and I just recently published my 2,500th Instagram post. You know, a, a friend of mine, Alex Hormozzi, tells a story about when he first started putting out flyers for his gym. If you don't know who that is, great YouTube channel, go check it out. Um, and he used, to, he used to own gyms, and he talks about the first time he put out flyers, and his buddy, whose buddy who owned a gym was like, yeah, I put out some flyers and this and that, and they were, they were following up, and his buddy was like, how many flyers did you put out? And he said, 300. 
And the guy was like, 300? He's like, I don't test with less than, I forget what the number was. He's like, I don't even test with less than a thousand. And typically I put out 5,000 a day. So his friend was putting out 150,000 flyers a month. Alex had put out 300. And he tells that story of like, I thought I was doing a lot. I thought I was taking meaningful action and I didn't even realize what, what real volume looked like until I compared notes with my friend and realized like, I'm, no wonder I'm not getting results. I'm just not doing that much, right? For me, I was over 2,400 Instagram posts before I really, really started to get traction there. Um, and I see people that do 10 posts, 20 posts, 50 posts, 100 posts, and they say, oh, it doesn't work, it's not working. Well, it's, you know, whatever. And, and I don't need to, this isn't an Instagram masterclass, but the point is like, there is just a universal law that rewards an abundance of effort coupled with a quality of effort. Like whoever does, it's not whoever does the best work. It's not whoever does the most work. It's whoever does the most best work is the one that's gonna win, right? Uh, YouTube, for example, I haven't been as, as uh, fertile with YouTube as with, with Instagram because it takes more time to make a YouTube video, but I have uploaded, seven, according to Social Blade, 720 videos to my YouTube channel uh, in less than four years, right? Um, and I'm at you know 80,000 subs, uh, 3.8 million views, and that's, it's a good result, but by no means, I haven't cracked it, I don't think. I might be at 1,000 uploads. I might be at 2,000 uploads before I hit that tipping point and it just takes on a life of its own, right? Um, you know, podcasts, you know, I, I saw a review or it was actually on Quora. I saw somebody writing about me the other day and they said that I am a prolific podcaster. I was like, wow, I guess, I don't know. I started looking around. I'm like, yeah, not that many people have recorded over 200 podcast episodes in their first two years. Um, I guess I'm a prolific podcast, but to me, it's just like, no, this is just how much work you do, right? Because, because we're in an, and, and it sounds crazy. People are like, oh, that's, that's so much. Yeah, the human beings built the pyramids by hand. Like human being, and I'm not, I mean, okay, they were, they were coerced to do that. What's a better example? Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before he invented the light bulb, right? Like, I failed at 11 different businesses before I ever turned a profit with a business. Um, you know, whether look at artists, right? Like, oh, 10,000 hours, that's the price of admission to be even good enough to perform in public, right? Like, I just think the world we live in has given us a really skewed and degraded perception of what real hard, good work actually looks like. And for me, it's not like some magical thing happened in 2015. Uh, it was just more of like, I stopped lying to myself. I stopped BSing myself. I stopped acting like just because the world was kind of gradually softening, um, that that meant that that way was gonna be effective or good enough for me or for my standard. That's all that happened. I just, I, 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 I got out from under the lie, right? And, and, and when you stand in the truth of like, kind of like nobody cares, work harder. Like you just gotta do a ridiculous amount of really good quality work to really make a result in this world because those results that most people are after, like if you ask most kids to describe the life they want as an adult, whether it's in monetary terms or achievement terms or, or respect and accolade terms or whatever life they want, they're typically describing like a top 1% or even top fraction of 1% life. Like the, the baseline of human aspiration is to actually achieve a fairly elite result. And so anything that suggests that you're gonna get that without a fairly elite level of effort is a fundamental lie underneath human society, right? And, and I, I just stopped telling myself that lie six or seven years ago, right? Um, 
you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I got a book deal. I, I, I'm like, how did, how did some dad who a few years ago was just spinning up his social media get a, a six-figure book deal? I actually did the, the math on this. Um, so one to, I think it's one to 2% of all books that get written actually get a publishing deal. And then the percentage within that, I think it was like one out of every 15 or one out of every 20 publishing deals includes a six-figure book advance. I got a $130,000 book advance for, as an unpublished author. The odds of that happening are uh, 0.06 of 1%. I think that's, I, I don't know, it's, it's that infinitesimal, right? Somewhere in that range. Because just because six years ago, I stopped lying to myself about what hard work looks like, right? And it just, you stack wins and you stack wins and you stack wins and you stack wins. And it's hard work and it's long work. We haven't even talked about it. It's whoever does the best, most longest amount of work. That's the reality. But the good news, and I'm gonna wrap with this, the good news is that we live in a world right now that is going the other way, which makes it easier to stand out in comparison. Can you imagine how hard it would have been known, to, it would have been to be known as a really hard worker during the Great Depression? Like all around you were like farmers that were extracting fruit out of dry dirt because there was like a famine and or a, a, a what do they call it when it stops raining? Not a famine. Oh my gosh, a dry spell? No, there's a, there's a better work. A, a drought, there was a drought and they're like, somehow they're surviving and they're like, I mean, it would have been really hard in the 1930s to be like, that is the hardest working guy I know. In 2022, it is not that hard to be the hardest working guy that most people know. But then to realize that those are the only people you're competing with, they're actually the hardest working guy that, that so-and-so knows and to say, I gotta be even better still, and to just not, not want it to be any different, to not ask for, for life to, or for the universe to operate differently than it does. Like that is the, the fundamental shift that I'm trying to inspire for people. You know, there's this, and, and I'll wrap with this, there's this concept called 10X, right? And Grant Cardone popularized this. And it's this idea of like, and, and a lot of people misunderstand it. They think that it's about, oh, you gotta work 10 times harder. That's not really what the 10X principle is. If you, if you look at it, it basically says, it's actually about the size of the result you're trying to achieve. That the, the, the way you apply 10X is say, okay, what is it that I'm trying to achieve? What would I have to do to actually achieve 10 times that? So if, if I make $40,000 a year and I'm trying to get to $50,000 a year, well, instead of saying, well, what do I need to do to get from 40 to 50? Say, well, let me add a zero. What would I need to do to get to $500,000 a year in income? Who would I need to be at that level? And then do that. And it's pretty darn likely that even if you miss, you'll get, you'll get over 50, right? So that's, that's how 10X, uh, what 10X really means. It's about 10Xing the result that you're after or 10Xing the magnitude of the problem that you're trying to solve. And I totally subscribe to that. But what I think is embedded within that, that, that I haven't heard anybody talk about, is that there's another order of 10X magnitude. There's another exponent that's 10 to the 10 that says, if I'm gonna take the result that I'm trying to get, and I'm gonna do a very sensible thing, which is 10X it and aim for that result. Now I apply the 10X work principle and say, okay, I'm gonna 10X the work that I think it would take to get to that result which means I'm now 100Xing the, the work that it would take to get to the original result, right? So again, I, we use money because it's quantitative, it's easy to count, it's, it's easy to, to track, but this, is a, this applies in love, this applies in parenting, this applies in strength, this applies in, in fitness, this applies in health, this applies in business in general, it applies in everything, right? But let's use the, the numbers. If I'm at 40,000 and I wanna get to 50,000, then I'm gonna, instead, I'm gonna think of 500 as my target. And then I'm gonna visualize, what would I need to do to get to 500? 
And then I'm going to do 10 times that amount. And that's going to be a hundred times what it would take a reasonable person to go, oh, I'm just trying to get a 25% raise from 40 to 50, right? See how that does? So it's 10 times the size of target and then 10 times the work on top of that. It's a hundred times more than most people think is reasonable based on the original goal. I promise. And, and, and that sounds daunting, but it only sounds daunting right now because the rest of the world out there is pretty soft. I promise in the 1930s, maybe they wouldn't have understood the they wouldn't have talked about it in those terms because we use a lot more like entrepreneurial business self-development jargon now in the world than we did then. But if you basically said, look, these are hard times. Sorry, bro. Like, don't know what to tell you. There's a drought. There's a depression. The world's kind of shitty right now. If you want to be okay, you're going to have to work a hundred times harder. I think they would have been like, yeah, you're right. And, and looking around, they would have been like, that guy's doing a hundred times more than, I, you know, the weakest version of me would have thought was reasonable. That was the world they were in. That can be the world you're in now, but you have to create it for yourself because the world right now is not going to create that for you, but it's the best time ever to do it because you get that much further ahead. You know, it's easy to win a race when everyone else is standing still. Uh, thanks for your time. Catch you next time. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.